0: Section 2 of The Cruel Painter. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit librivox.org. Recording by Ned Troxel. The Cruel Painter by George MacDonald, Section 2. I must now interrupt the course of my story to introduce another element a few years before the period of my tale a certain shoemaker of the city had died under circumstances more than suggestive of suicide he was buried however with such precautions that six weeks elapsed before the rumour of the facts broke out upon which rumour not before the most fearful reports began to be circulated supported by what seemed to the people of prague incontestable evidence a spectrum of the deceased appeared to multitudes of persons playing horrible pranks and occasioning indescribable consternation throughout the whole town this went on till at last about eight months after his burial the magistrates caused his body to be dug up when it was found in just the condition of the bodies of those who in the eastern countries of europe are called vampires they buried the corpse under the gallows but neither the digging up nor the reburying were of avail to banish the spectre again the spade and pickaxe were set to work and the dead man being found considerably improved in condition since his last interment was with various horrible indignities burnt to ashes after which the spectrum was never seen more and a second epidemic of the same nature had broken out a little before the period to which i have brought my story about midnight after a calm frosty day for it was now winter a terrible storm of wind and snow came on the tempest howled frightfully about the house of the painter and wolkenlicht found some solace in listening to the uproar for his troubled thoughts would not allow him to sleep it raged on all the next three days till about noon on the fourth day when it suddenly fell and all was calm the following night wolkenlicht lying awake heard unaccountable noises in the next house as of things thrown about of kicking and fighting horses and of opening and shutting gates flinging wide his lattice and looking out the noise of howling dogs came to him from every quarter of the town the moon was bright and the air was still in a little while he heard the sounds of a horse going at full gallop round the house so that it shook as if it would fall and the flashes of light shone into his room how much of this may have been owing to the effect of the drugs on poor luchun's brain i leave my readers to determine but when the family met at breakfast in the morning Teufelsburst, who had been already out of doors reported that he had found the marks of strange feet in the snow all about the house and through the garden at the back stating as his belief that the tracks must be continued over the roofs for there was no passage otherwise and there was a wicked gleam in his eye as he spoke and Lilith believed that he was only trying an experiment on Karl's nerves. He persisted that he had never seen any footprints of the sort before. Karl informed him of his experiences during the night, upon which Teufelsburst looked a little graver still, and proceeded to tell them that the storm, whose snow was still covering the ground, had arisen the very moment their next-door neighbor died, and had ceased as suddenly the moment he was buried though it had raved furiously all the time of the funeral, so that it made men's bodies quake, and their teeth chatter in their heads. Carl had heard that the man, whose name was John Kuntz, was dead and buried. He knew that he had been a very wealthy, and therefore most respectable, alderman of the town. He had been very fond of horses, and he had died in consequence of a kick received from one of his own, as he was looking at his hoof. But he had not heard that, just before he died, a black cat opened the casement with her nails, ran to his bed, and violently scratched his face and the bolster, as if she endeavoured by force to remove him out of the place where he lay. But the cat afterwards was suddenly gone, and she was no sooner gone, but he breathed his last." So said Teufelsborst, as the reporter of the town talk. Lilith looked very pale and terrified and it was perhaps owing to this that the painter brought no more tales home with him. There were plenty to bring, but he heard them all and said nothing. The fact was that the philosopher himself could not resist the infection of the fear that was literally raging in the city, and perhaps the reports that he himself had sold himself to the devil had sufficient response from his own evil conscience to add to the influence of the epidemic upon him the whole place was infested with the presence of the dead coonts till scarce a man or woman would dare to be alone he strangled old men insulted women squeezed children to death knocked out the brains of dogs against the ground pulled up posts turned milk into blood nearly killed a worthy clergyman by breathing upon him the intolerable airs of the grave cold and malignant and noisome and in short filled the city with a perfect madness of fear so that every report was believed without the smallest doubt or investigation though teufelsborst brought home no more of the town talk the old servant was a faithful purveyor and frequented the news-mart assiduously indeed she had some nightmare experiences of her own that she was proud to add to the stock of horrors which the city enjoyed with such a hearty community of goods for those regions were not far removed from the birthplace and home of the vampire the belief in vampires is the quintessential concentration and embodiment of all the passion of fear in hungary and the adjacent regions nor of all the other inventions of the human imagination has there ever been one so perfect in crawling terror as this lilith and carl were quite familiar with the popular ideas on the subject it did not require to be explained to them that a vampire was a body retaining a kind of animal life after the soul had departed if any relation existed between it and the vanished ghost it was only sufficient to make it restless in its grave possessed of vitality enough to keep it uncorrupted and pliant its only instinct was a blind hunger for the sole food which could keep its awful life persistent living human blood hence it or if not it a sort of semi-material exhalation or essence of it retaining its form and material relations crept from its tomb and went roaming about till it found some one asleep towards whom it had an attraction founded on old affection it sucked the blood of this unhappy being transferring so much of its life to itself as a vampire could assimilate death was the certain consequence if suspicion conjectured aright and they opened the proper grave The body of the vampire would be found perfectly fresh and plump, sometimes indeed of rather florid complexion, with grown hair, eyes half open, and the stains of recent blood about its greedy, leech-like lips. Nothing remained but to consume the corpse to ashes, upon which the vampire would show itself no more. But what added infinitely to the horror was the certainty that whoever died from the mouth of the vampire wrinkled grandsire, or delicate maiden, must in turn rise from the grave and go forth a vampire to suck the blood of the dearest left behind. This was the generation of the vampire brood. Lilith trembled at the very name of the creature. Carl was too much in love to be afraid of anything. Yet the evident fear of the unbelieving painter took a hold of his imagination, and under the influence of the potions of which he still partook unwittingly, when he was not thinking about Lilith, he was thinking about the vampire. Meantime, the conditions of things in the painter's household continued much the same for Wolkenlicht. Work all day, no communication between the young people, the dinner and the wine, silent reading when work was done, with stolen glances many over the top of the book, glances that were never returned, the cold good night, the locking of the door, the wakeful night and the drowsy morning but at length a change came and sooner than any of the party had expected for whether it was that the impatience of teufelsporst had urged him to yet more dangerous experiments or that the continuance of those he had been so long employing had overcome at length the vitality of Wolkenlicht, one afternoon as he was sitting at his work he suddenly dropped from his chair and his master hurrying to him in some alarm found him rigid and apparently lifeless lilith was not in the study when this took place in justice to teufelsborst it must be confessed that he employed all the skill he was a master of which for beneficent purposes was not very great to restore the youth but without avail at last hearing the footsteps of lilith he desisted in some consternation and that she might escape being shocked by the sight of a dead body where she had been accustomed to see a living one he removed the lay figure from the couch and laid Carl in its place, covering him with a black velvet pall. He was just in time. She started at seeing no one in Karl's place, and said, "'Where is your pupil, father?' "'Gone home,' he answered with a kind of convulsive grin. She glanced round the room, caught sight of the lay figure where it had not been before, looked at the couch, and saw the pall yet heaved up from beneath opened her eyes till the entire white sweep around the iris suggested a new expression of consternation to teufelsborst though from a quarter whence he did not desire or look for it and then without a word sat down to a drawing she had been busy upon the day before but her father glancing at her now as wolkenlicht had used to do could not help seeing that she was frightfully pale she showed no other signs of uneasiness as soon as he released her she withdrew with one more glance as she passed, at the couch and the figure blocked out in black upon it. She hastened to her chamber, shut and locked the door, sat down on the side of the couch, and fell, not a weeping, but a thinking. Was he dead? What did it matter? They would all be dead soon. Her mother was dead already. It was only that the earth could not bear more children, except she devoured those to whom she had already given birth what if they had to come back in another form and live another sad hopeless loveless life over again and so she went on questioning and receiving no replies while through all her thoughts passed and repassed the eyes of wolkenlicht which she had so often felt to be upon her when she did not see them wild with repressed longing the light of their love shining through the veil of diffused tears ever gathering and never overflowing then came the pale face so worshipping so distant in its self-withdrawn devotion slowly dawning out of the vapours of her reverie when it vanished she tried to see it again it would not come when she called it but when her thoughts left knocking at the door of the lost and wandered away out came the pale troubled silent face again gathering itself up from some unknown nook in her world of fantasy and once more when she tried to steady it by the fixedness of her regard fading back into the mist. So the phantasm of the dead drew near and wooed, as the living had never dared. What if there were any good in loving? What if men and women did not all die out, but some dim shade of each, like that pale mind-ghost of Vulcanlicht, floated through the eternal vapors of chaos? And what if they might sometimes cross each other's path? Meet, know they had met, love on. Would not that revive the withered memory, Fix the fleeting ghost, give a new habitation, a body even, to the poor unhoused wanderers, frozen by the eternal frosts? No longer thinking beings, but thoughts wandering through the brain of the melancholy mass? Back with the thought came the face of the dead Karl, and the maiden threw herself on her bed in a flood of bitter tears. She could have loved him if he had only lived. She did love him, for he was dead. But even in the midst of the remorse that followed, for had not she killed him? Life seemed a less hard and hopeless thing than before, for it is love itself, and not its responses or results, that is the soul of life and its pleasures. Two hours passed ere she could again show herself to her father, from whom she seemed in some new way divided by the new feeling in which he did not and could not share but at last, lest he should seek her, and finding her, should suspect her thoughts, she descended and sought him. For there is a maidenliness in sorrow, that wraps her garments close around her. But he was not to be seen. The door of the study was locked. A shudder passed through her as she thought of what her father, who lost no opportunity of furthering his all but perfect acquaintance with the human form and structure, might be about with a figure which she knew lay dead beneath that velvet pall, but which had risen to haunt the hollow caves and cells of her living brain she rushed away and up once more to her silent room through the darkness which had now settled down in the house threw herself again on her bed and lay almost paralysed with horror and distress but teufelsbrust was not about anything so frightful as she supposed though something frightful enough i have already implied that wolkenlicht was in form as fine an embodiment of youthful manhood as any old greek republic could have provided one of its sculptors with as model for an apollo it is true that to the eye of a greek artist he would not have been more acceptable in consequence of the regimen he had been going through for the last few weeks but the emaciation of wolkenlicht's frame and the consequent prominence of the muscles indicating the pain he had gone through were peculiarly attractive to Teufelsburst. He was busy preparing to take a cast of the body of his dead pupil, that it might aid to the perfection of his future labours. He was deep in the artistic enjoyment of a form, at the same time so beautiful and strong, yet with the lines of suffering in every limb and feature, when his daughter's hand was laid on the latch. He started, flung the velvet drapery over the body, and went to the door. But Lilith had vanished. He returned to his labours. The operation took a long time, for he performed it very carefully towards midnight he had finished encasing the body in a close clinging shell of plaster which when broken off and fitted together would be the matrix to the form of the dead before leaving it to harden till the morning he was just proceeding to strengthen it with an additional layer all over when a flash of lightning reflected in all its dazzle from the snow without almost blinded him a peal of long-drawn thunder followed the wind rose and just such a storm came on as had risen some time before the death of kunz whose spectre was still tormenting the city the gnomes of terror deep hidden in the caverns of teufelsborg's nature broke out jubilant with trembling hands he tried to cast the pall over the awful white chrysalis failed and fled to his chamber and there lay the studio naked to the eyes of the lightning with its tortured forms throbbing out of the dark and quivering as with life in the almost continuous palpitations of the light, while on the couch lay the motionless mass of whiteness, gleaming blue in the lightning, almost more terrible in its crude indications of the human form than that which it enclosed. It lay there as if dropped from some tree of chaos, haggard with the snows of eternity, a huge misshapen nut with a corpse for its kernel. But the lightning would soon have revealed a more terrible sight still, had there been any eyes to behold it at midnight while a peal of thunder was just dying away in the distance the crust of death flew asunder rending in all directions and pale as his investiture glaring with ghastly eyes the form of karl started up sitting on the couch had he not been far beyond ordinary men in strength he could not have thus rent his sepulchre indeed had teufelsborst been able to finish his task by the additional layer of gypsum which he contemplated he must have died the moment life revived although so long as the trance lasted neither the exclusion from the air nor the practical solidification of the walls of his chest could do him any injury he had lain unconscious throughout the operations of Teufelsborst, but now the catalepsy had passed away possibly under the influence of the electric condition of the atmosphere very likely the strength he now put forth was intensified by a convulsive reaction of all the powers of life as is not infrequently the case in sudden awakenings from similar interruptions of vital activity the coming to himself and the bursting of his case were simultaneous he sat staring about him with of all his mental faculties only his imagination awake from which the thoughts that occupied it when he fell senseless had not yet faded these thoughts had been compounded of feelings about lilith and the speculations about the vampire that haunted the neighbourhood and the fumes of the last drug of which he had partaken still hovering in his brain combined with these thoughts and fancies to generate the delusion that he had just broken from the embrace of his coffin and risen the last born of the vampire race the sense of unavoidable obligation to fulfil his doom was yet mingled with a faint flutter of joy for he knew that he must go to lilith with a deep sigh he rose gathered up the pall of black velvet flung it around him, stepped from the couch, and left the study to find her. Meantime, Teufelsburst had sufficiently recovered to remember that he had left the door of the studio unfastened, and that any one entering would discover in what he had been engaged, which, in the case of his getting into any difficulty about the death of Karl, would tell powerfully against him. He was at the farther end of a long passage, leading from the house to the studio, on his way to make all secure, when carl appeared at the door and advanced toward him the painter seized with invincible terror turned and fled he reached his room and fell senseless on the floor the phantom held on its way heedless lilith on gaining her room the second time had thrown herself on her bed as before and had wept herself into a troubled slumber she lay dreaming and dreadful dreams suddenly she awoke in one of those peals of thunder which tormented the high regions of the air as a storm billows the surface of the ocean she lay awake and listened as it died away she thought she heard mingling with its last muffled murmurs the sound of moaning she turned her face towards the room in keen terror but she saw nothing another light long-drawn sigh reached her ear and at the same moment a flash of lightning illumined the room in the corner farthest from her bed she spied a white face nothing more she was dumb and motionless with fear utter darkness followed a darkness that seemed to enter her very brain yet she felt that the face was slowly crossing the black gulf of the room and drawing near to where she lay the next flash revealed as it bended over her the ghastly face of Karl, down which flowed fresh tears the rest of his form was lost in blackness lilith did not faint but it was the very force of her fear that seemed to keep her alive. It became for the moment the atmosphere of her life. She lay trembling and staring at the spot in the darkness where she supposed the face of Karl still to be, but the next flash showed her the face far off, looking at her through the panes of her lattice window. For Lotchen, as soon as he saw Lilith, seemed to himself to go through a second stage of awaking. Her face made him doubt whether he could be a vampire after all for instead of wanting to bite her arm and suck the blood he all but fell down at her feet in a passion of speechless love the next moment he became aware that his presence must be at least very undesirable to her and in an instant he had reached her window which he knew looked upon a lower roof that extended between the two different parts of the house and before the next flash came he had stepped through the lattice and closed it behind him believing his own room to be attainable from this quarter he proceeded along the roof in the direction he judged best. The cold winter air, by degrees, restored him entirely to his right mind, and he soon comprehended the whole of the circumstances in which he found himself. Peeping through a window he was passing, to see whether it belonged to his room, he spied Teufelsborst, who, at the very moment, was lifting his head from the faint into which he had fallen at the first sight of Lötchen. The moon was shining clear, and in its light the painter saw, to his horror, the pale face staring in at his window. He thought it had been there ever since he had fainted, and dropped again in a deeper swoon than before. Karl saw him fall, and the truth flashed upon him that the wicked artist took him for what he had believed himself to be when he first recovered from his trance, namely, the vampire of the former Karl Wolkenlicht. The moment he comprehended it, he resolved to keep up the delusion if possible. Meantime, he was innocently preparing a new ingredient for the popular dish of horrors to be served at the ordinary of the city the next day for the old servants were not the only eyes that had seen him besides those of teufelsborst what could be more like a vampire dragging his pall after him than this apparition of poor half-frozen lotchen crawling across the roof karl remembered afterwards that he had heard the dogs howling awfully in every direction as he crept along but this was hardly necessary to make those who saw him conclude that it was the same phantasm of john kuntz which had been infesting the whole city and especially the house next door to the painters which had been the dwelling of the respectable aldermen who had degenerated into this most disreputable of moneyless vagabonds what added to the consternation of all who heard of it was the sickening conviction that the extreme measures which they had resorted to in order to free the city from the ghoul beyond which nothing could be done had been utterly unavailing successful as they had proved in every other known case of the kind for urged as well by various horrid signs about his grave which not even its close proximity to the altar could render a place of repose they had opened it had found in the body every peculiarity belonging to a vampire had pulled it out with the greatest difficulty on account of a quite supernatural ponderosity which rendered the horse which had killed him a strong animal all but unable to drag it along and had at last after cutting it in pieces and expending on the fire two hundred and sixteen great billets succeeded in conquering its incombustibleness and reducing it to ashes such at least was the story which had reached the painter's household and was believed by many and if all this did not compel the perturbed corpse to rest what more could be done when Karl had reached his room and was dressing himself the thought struck him that something might be made of the report of the extreme weight of the body of old kuntz to favour the continuance of the delusion of Teufelsburst. although he hardly knew yet to what use he could turn this delusion he was convinced that he would have made no progress however long he might have remained in his house and that he would have more chance of favour with lilith if he were to meet her in any other circumstances whatever than those in which he invariably saw her namely surrounded by her father's influences and watched by her father's cold blue eyes as soon as he was dressed he crept down to the studio which was now quiet enough the storm being over and the moon filling it with her steady shine in the corner lay in all directions the fragments of the mould which his own body had formed and filled the bag of plaster and the bucket of water which the painter had been using stood beside Lotchen gathered all the pieces together and then making his way to an outhouse where he had seen various odds and ends of rubbish lying chose from the heap as many pieces of old iron and other metal as he could find to these he added a few large stones from the garden when he had got all into the studio he locked the door and proceeded to fit together the parts of the mould filling up the hollow as he went with the heaviest things he could get into it and solidifying the whole by pouring in plaster till having at length completed it and obliterated as much as possible the marks of joining he left it to harden with the conviction that now it would make a considerable impression on teufelsborg's imagination as well as on his muscular sense he then left everything else as nearly undisturbed as he could and knowing all the ways of the house was soon in the street without leaving any signs of his exit end of section 2